Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. And where in the world would we, we, would we be without you? Now, two years ago today, the world lost B.B. King. I tell you, we miss you, B.B. Now, before we move on to the show, I do want to address something. Now, recently... As some of you may be aware, the fight for constitutional carry across the nation and here in the great state of Texas has resulted in some victories and some losses. Now, locally, we weren't lucky enough to have House Bill 375 pass into law this session, despite the incredible efforts of the people involved. But we did still have a victory worth celebrating. Taxes for a license to carry have been reduced along with the renewal fee by 70% and 40% respectively. Now that might seem, it might not seem like much, but to people scraping by and barely making ends meet and who also have lives to protect, this could mean the difference from being able to protect their loved ones, uh, you know, effectively versus not at all. Now, as it's been shown Some of our politicians and lawmakers have little concern about the crushing cost of licensing and transferring or renewing fees when it comes to firearms. Now, laws that that hype up the cost of fees or taxes and background checks and transfers to ridiculous numbers are still regularly being proposed. Now, Connecticut's governor, for example, is proposing a tax as high as three hundred and seventy dollars. To get your handgun license and every five years a renewal amount of $300. Without efforts like what we are seeing in Texas, firearms will become a tool for only the fiscal prosperous, despite its necessity for those who live in worse circumstances. Today, we have in the studio Jacob Lava. He was an eyewitness on May 1st, 2017 at the University of Texas stabbing. And also... He led the police to where the suspect was. We will find out from Jacob about this LTC holder that was reported to being on campus. 
Also, we have in the studio John Griffin, the associate editor for The Daily Caller. John will update us on Antifa's and that violent organization that should be labeled as a terrorist organization. Also, we have on the phone Antonio Jones, the 2011 Duck Calling World Champion. Boy, I tell you, Antonio Jones, you got listen to this. I tell you, you know, just between you and me, I'm just going to throw this out there. I didn't know black people got involved in duck calling. So let me welcome Antonio Jones to come and talk. What's going on, Antonio? How are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, sir. That's just that's my racist side coming out there. <laughs> well, you need to leave that at the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll leave it at home next time. All right. So, Antonio, man, how in the world did you get involved in duck calling? Honestly, I saw Bo Jackson duck hunting on TV at one time. I think he was hunting uh, in Arkansas, Mossy Oaks hunting the country. And if Bo knows football, he definitely got to know ducks if he's hunting ducks in the woods in Arkansas. That So that made me want to start. And see, and now tell people about duck calling. A lot of people don't know about this because we're in Austin, Texas, you know, and this is a city, and they don't know anything about hunting or anything like that at all. So why... Uh, why do you need to uh, do duck calling well, at all? In the, in the calling circles, you start, I started out hunting. And so as a kid, the guy that was blowing the call kind of controlled the hunt, you know. Everybody shot when he said to shoot. Mm. Everybody did, you know. So he was kind of the lead guy. Well, me being stubborn and always wanting to be the lead guy, I was like, it was cool to see that interaction not only with the individuals hunting, but the way the birds reacted. Oh, so this is more about so, you being the alpha dog that's out there. So you got to no. be the alpha dog and say, "Look here, I'm in charge around here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna call the duck." I got you. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's like you know, being able to see the birds' reaction and all the camaraderie that goes along with it that made me wanted to be great at my craft or become better at my craft. And so then I hooked up with a, a nice company, Rich and Tone, a long time ago when I was like 11 or so. And got hooked up with Butch uh, Richenback, which is like he is like the the man in the duck calling world. And so as far as teaching people and kids and all that. And so between that, got into the calling circles and eventually, you know, it grew more and more. And so now we have, you know, calling contests that are sanctioned and non-sanctioned around the country, including Texas. I come to Texas every year. Really? Houston, Texas. Now, Katy, Texas, we have... Um, Actually, the Gulf Coast Regionals are there at Bass Pro in Katy, Texas. Oh, wow. So I'll be there in Texas in July. Fun times, fun times. Like you said, like you said earlier, it kind of rings in your head when you go to a calling contest or listen to the duck calling stuff. You kind of take it home with you because you can't get the sound out of your head. All right, so now you're, you're like the 2011 World Duck Calling Champion. Now, <laughs> what, what does that entail? How do you become a champion? Well, you have to win a state or regional event. Um, a sanctioned contest before you're qualified to blow at the Worlds in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And so they take the top 76 callers, I'm sorry, 71 callers around the country and in um, Canada and Argentina also. So it's kind of growing internationally also. And, uh, you know, you get together from one afternoon and um, one Saturday right after Thanksgiving and the contest is like four hours long. 
And so I was lucky enough to win the 76 World Championship. That's, and, man, I tell you, you were getting it, too. I, I was listening to the, uh, looking at the YouTube video there, and I, you were into it. And, and and my hat's off to you because that's uh, – how often do – well, let me back up a little bit. We, we really don't have too many blacks that actually get into this type of sport. Craig, I don't think that there's any – to win a title of that of uh, that magnitude, I don't think that there has been any, you know, black individuals ever to have done it in, you know, not only waterfowl calling but because according calling according to the news and the main a mainstream media, blacks really don't get into shooting sports at all. Uh, that, and that that's that is true. Which it's a misconception. There's a lot of people. I mean, a lot of. The mainstream media hasn't publicized a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of black individuals that do that, right? but it hasn't been consistently publicized. Now, I've been fortunate enough since winning the world and, you know, growing a business. I started a call company, and, and we're growing and growing tremendously. And we are welcoming and trying to grow that image to show individuals that there is individuals that look like me that do this and not only me women too you know not only blacks i mean all kinds of minority women everything you know from deer to turkey you know i was fortunate enough to talk with and and, and have met uh theo ribs which I, he had you had him on the show and um theo's huge in the sporting play world and growing growing you know growing now he's like number five in sporting plays well, a good friend of mine and hunt together is Dr. Warren Strickland. Man, this guy right here has bow hunting extraordinaire now. He shoots bows all over the world, but he's got a super slam. And he's a cardiologist, black guy, that, you know, he did a little stuff with, uh, you know, with uh, Bass Pro, but individuals just don't don't know that. What about the in the turkey call circles in the realm of the world? You know, you've got Napoleon Howe, which, a.k.a. everybody calls him country, that competed all over the country and swung to uh, Tennessee State and all those different kind of, and then Sean Grant, that's another one. Turkey calling guy, Westman Junior open guy, finished fourth in the grand, which is like the pinnacle of the turkey calling world. I wanna work with guys like that. I mean I I enjoy that. So yeah, the mainstream media has a misconception of individuals that we associate blacks, especially with guns, it's bad. Right. Well, that's not the case with a lot of the individuals that I hang out with and deal with. Now, okay, so now how do you how do I sharpen up my duck calling skills? Is there the device that I have to use? How does that actually work? I would prefer you to start out with a Brody Ben. That's my new brand. You can look it up online, BrodyBen.com. Had to throw that in there. But I would, you know, get you a single read duck call. It could be anywhere. Go to Walmart. I started out with a plastic, uh, Rich and Tom 2, and it was a $30 call that my mom had purchased for me at Walmart a long time ago. And there's all kinds of instructional uh, stuff that are on our social channels. And the various other companies have all kinds of instructional DVDs or tapes or any kind of stuff that you can start off with the basics. And so I would say start there. And I use a method called crawl, walk, run. Mm. Start off crawling. Basically, everything you do on the duck hall derives off of a single quack. So you're crawling, then when you go from quacking, then you go to calling them, and then you start to put it all together. So it's crawl, walk, run. Nice. Okay, now 
How did, what started you into duck calling? Did you was it your parents or you know what kind of triggered you to get into you know that the at all pack? other than the pack? You know what started made, making me want to get better was when we were hunting. You know I wanted to get skillful wise, being able to work more ducks and sound like multiple ducks. So once I went to an expo that was happening in Little Rock, the Ronnie Wright Memorial Contest was going on then, and I seen those guys on stage, and they were making multiple sounds on, you know, on a duck call. It sounded like several different ducks. I was like, wow, that was absolutely cool. So then I started talking with other individuals, and I just had a – I wanted to do it myself, you know. I just – when I saw that the first time, I was like, that's something I wanted to do. And – fortunate enough to hook up with the, you know, individuals and, you know, that particular company and, and that was in that, you know, the calling circles and it went from there. Nice. All right. So, um, and now let's, let me talk, ask you about your, your parenting situation. Like, um, you have both parents in the house. How does that work? Cause I like to get Actually, into that a little I a, bit. I had a single mom man. my mom raised four of us. And, um, you mean to tell me um, that's not true that, you know, a guy can't grow up, you know, and actually do wonderful things, great things, be a role model in this world and and, and only be raised by one parent? <laughs> yeah, that can happen. But, it, you know, if it wasn't, I, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, like 1,200 people, Redfield. And so it, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, my mom raised me, but I had a lot of friends in my town that you know, basically took me hunting, you know, so it wasn't my mom. It was individuals that I met through my town. Now, can you, you ever heard of a cougar call? (laughs) No. Never heard of cougar call? No. Because I I got a request. Someone online, they sent me a message. They said, hey, well, can he do a cougar call for us online? (laughs) Live on air. I can't do it. I have never heard of one. No, okay. All right, we're just checking that. But, 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 <laughs> it's funny. My buddy's here, and he's like, nah, I've never heard one either. You never heard a cougar call? Come on now. Okay. I, I think I think someone's being funny with us. They say cougar. I, I think because uh, my one of my co-hosts um, is a nice-looking young lady, and well, and she's a, you know, an older lady, I should say. And she dates younger men, and I think that's what he's talking about. So, uh, so yeah, I'm about to get him. I'll get him for that one. I think he's messing with me right now. It's Mother's Day. I'll, I'll, I'll let him slide in there. Well, Phil, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are listening in, and I hope you have a joyous day. But now we can't do a cougar call yet. And and see, you're. It looks like, sounds like you're out hunting right now. I'm actually sitting out. My neighbor's got a. Uh, Cupcake, which is a two-month-old cow, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, he's feeding his yard. So we're sitting out talking and hanging out. All right. Well, hold on, then, Antonio. We're gonna we're gonna take a little commercial break here, and then I'm gonna come back to you because I want to know what type of firearm you use when you go duck hunting. What's your your firearm of choice? And also, I want to ask you about uh, open carry and and concealed carry and all that stuff. All right. Today we're talking with uh, talking about Antifa's. Also, we have the world of duck calling. That's what we're talking about. Also, the UT stabbing. It's time to ban knives. It's time for more knife control. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talkin' Radio with Michael Cargill. 
Get breaking news, exclusive contests, and more delivered right to your inbox. I like knowing things. Join the Right Choice Club at Talk1370.com and you'll be in the know. Just go to Talk1370.com and click on the Right Choice Club from Talk 1370. The Right Choice. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, including mine. There's nothing like getting that phone call on Mother's Day, you know, saying, son, can you mail us 5,000 rounds of 7.62 by 39? Just, just brings you to tears, I'm telling you. <laughs> just brings you to tears. That's what I'm talking about. And then and then someone, of course, said, oh, so your mother had to call you, huh? Well, you know, that's how it is. I'm that terrible son. <laughs> no, I actually did call my mother this morning as I was driving in to wish her a, a happy Mother's Day. All right, so we're back and we're talking about Antifa's. We're also going to talk, we're talking right now with Antonio Jones. He's the 2011 World Duck Calling Champion. Also, later on the show, we're going to talk about the UT stabbing. And some people are saying they want to ban knives. Others are saying, you know, we need some knife control. Well, you know, it's not about the tool, okay? It's not about the tools, it's about the crazies. We're going to talk about parenting and some other things that involved all that situation there and, and what went down at UT. Was there an LTC holder involved? We're going to find out. We're going to get down to the bottom of things. You're going to learn today. All right. So let me go back to Antonio Jones. Antonio. All right. So what, what's your take on, um, on, like, constitutional carry and things of that nature? Do you believe in that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you guys hear me? We hear you perfectly well. Okay, absolutely. Funny story I've got to tell you guys about, especially on Mother's Day. It's uh, my mom used to, whenever I first started out hunting, and I raked leaves for a guy to pay for this Stevens 20-gauge youth model shotgun. I don't know if y'all remember the old Stevens youth models 20-gauge. But uh, got it. And at first, my mom was very reluctant for me bringing the gun into the home. Not for my safety, for hers, you know, because she wasn't used to having those and, you know, having that around. And so with some sweet talking like I did as a kid, (laughs) I convinced her to let me have it in there, and I kept it in my closet. But I had went through, you know, my hunter safety course and all that and had, you know, got all that before I was able to purchase it. Well, last a few months ago, my mother actually completed her concealed carries permit. Wow! Meal, and I just thought I put a post on Facebook about it. I thought I never see that day that my mother would actually be a concealed carry permit holder and carry a firearm herself, which was really really cool. And I think she may not admit it, but. I think going through the situation with me having the gun in when I was younger and growing up and actually being around it and seeing how to properly, safely, you know, say, uh, through the house opened up more doors for her to being able to want to get her, you know, concealed carry permit. I thought it was just cool. I thought that that was truly cool. And actually it was her and several of her girlfriends that all went and got this, which was, I thought, awesome. 
Right, so that, that's like hashtag winning. <laughs> hashtag winning. We're definitely winning. Right. right. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer in it. I kind of like Texas. Texas, y'all kind of operate on your own jurisdiction. <laughs> we're trying. I tell you. We're, it, I love it. Yeah, some people think well some people think that Texas is really this pro gun state. We're not as pro gun as some people think, you know, but we're trying. We're working on it. We're trying to break it down as much as we can. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I love it. Now what's your firearm of choice when you go uh hunting? I love a twelve gauge. What kind Any of brand? What? I shoot a Benelli. The old H and K's are always the good one. You know, the Benelli um H and K's. And um actually I think they stopped making those, but any of those super blacks are the Super Black Eagle, one, twos, threes, all of them are good. Now, if you get any training from uh, uh, from my good friend there? Uh, Theo? Theo, yeah. I haven't got a chance to yet, but I'm going to go to see him shoot at the U.S. Open in um, um, Atlanta. And um, we're going to spend a couple of days with him and uh, Philip Smith. I don't know if y'all know Philip Smith with uh, uh, the – National African American Gun Association. Oh yeah, I know Phil. Yeah, we've had him on the show. Yeah, so we're gonna get to spend a couple of days, hang out, talk guns, and talk um, hunting, and just everyone else involved in you know shooting sports and outdoor recreational sports. So that's gonna be a fun time. I'm looking forward to that. Oh man, that'd be nice. That'd be real good. All right, man. I tell you. And now, what's your handgun of choice? I would say nine mil. It's pretty. Any, I like the Kimbers. Okay. I like the Colts. But a 9 mil, any of them, I like those. Would you go 1911? Would you go uh, Glock? I, I would go 1911. I kind, I'm kind of a military brand. I love guys that are like special force stuff. Uh-huh. Like, that's all kind of SF stuff. And um, so I work with this other organization called Spec Ops. And these guys are active and inactive uh, special force people. Okay. And... Absolutely. If you ever get a chance to, you know, do stuff with, you know, warriors and active, inactive, wounded, those guys, man, are different type people, man. They're really cool people. Nice. All right, man. I tell you, and, and Antonio, how can we find you? Like, how do how do how do we follow you online? Um, I've got the Duckman Jones page up. Any of our Brody Ben, you know, media, all of our Brody Ben. What, what is it called? Is it called DuckmanJones.com? Yeah, yeah. Duckman well, Jones. Not that website, but online you can find a look us up at uh, BrodyBen.com. And, of course, all my social pages is Duckman Jones and, um, you know, Brody Ben on Facebook and Instagram. So. Okay, and Brody Ben is the name of your business? Correct. Okay, That's all right, correct. nice. All right, I got to check that out, Brody Ben. All right, I'm going right. to I'm gonna definitely look that, look that up and check it out. And we're definitely going to follow you down the road and get you back on the show sometime as well. Awesome. I'd and, love to come in down and talk with you guys i appreciate you having me uh, on your show and before you go you gotta give me a duck call okay <laughs> i got you i got you You want to hear a bunch of ducks you want to, i'll uh, how about this okay i'll make it sound like a field full of ducks a field full this? of ducks here we go <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on the show. All right. All right, Antonio. I tell you, you got some mothers sitting back driving in their car going, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tony. You guys have a blessed day. All right. You have a wonderful day. All right.
All right, that's Antonio Jones, 2011 Duck Calling World Champion. All right, so now we, you know what? Uh, on May 1st at the University of Texas, he had a, a young man go on to the campus there who's a student and just for no reason at all just start stabbing random people. And let me bring to the mic uh, Jacob Lava, who happened to be working on the campus that day and saw this go down. Jacob, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. How's it going? All right. So, Jacob, kind of tell me, what were you doing that day? And you don't have to say the name of the business that you were working for or anything like that, because I don't know if they want you to mention that. Correct. So we went to work for the first time. That was the first time we were on campus. And everything started nice. It was a really nice day. It was sunny, perfect breeze. You know, everything. everything it was a beautiful was, day. Out. It was a beautiful day. Yeah, until I heard some commotion. I turned around, and the first thing I saw was this guy walk up to another guy and stab him in the back. I thought it was, it was fake because the knife went in way too easy, like effortless. And he pulled it out the same way. So it had to be the second person he stabbed, not the first. It was the last one. You saw, so you saw the last person. I saw the last stabbed. person. Okay. To get stabbed. Was that then the last person? Was that the person to die? No. Okay. No, the first one. The first one that got stabbed is the one that died. He got mm. stabbed in the heart. Oh wow. Yeah. So I saw it and I automatically thought it was one of those collapsible knives because I thought it was a joke. It didn't, you know, I barely heard some commotion. I, I heard a few girls scream, but it was kind of like when they see each other and they get excited, kind of like, you know, they scream like, "Hey." It wasn't like run for your life type of scream. So I looked over there and that's when I saw him stab him, pulled it out. He cleaned the knife. And then the other guy just looked back over his shoulder because he, was, he wasn't looking at him. He went behind him and stabbed him. He looked, he looked back like, you know, trying to figure out what had, what had happened. And he looked at the guy like, are you serious? And I saw him put his hand like where the wound was. And as soon as he removed his hand, I saw the blood coming out. Mm. He was wearing a white shirt. And yeah, that's, that's when he seen thing that it was real. Like for the split few seconds, it didn't, you know, it didn't seem real. And then when we were uh, doing the break, we were talking and you actually took my, my license to carry handgun course. Correct. And I didn't know that until today, you know, while we're on a commercial break. I'm, I'm, and like I was saying, I apologize because I, I, I think I see like thousands of people a month and I had no idea. <clears throat> but you don't have your license yet. I do not. Why don't you have your, your license to carry handgun? So I didn't, I didn't finish. I mean, I took my class and I passed it, but I did not get it because I didn't have the, the extra money for. for so because of the license. fees, exactly. Right. So and because the license fee is one hundred and forty dollars, I should say tax is one hundred and forty dollars. And luckily, there is a bill that was passed um, this session. The governor's going to sign it, and so all we're waiting on is the governor to sign it and for that to go into law September the first of two thousand and seventeen. So the fee would go down to forty dollars. So you, Correct. so you should be able to. <clears throat> yeah, I just read that the other day and. Yeah, I'm definitely getting my my brother. As soon as I told him about the the, the incident, um, he likes guns, but guns, but he's not really into it like like we are. And as soon as I told him about it, he's like, "I'm buying my gun. I'm getting my CHL." He's like, "I'm I'm always gonna carry." Like, yeah. Do you yeah. think uh, that day, while you're on the campus, and you had your um, if you would have had your gun, would you have used it? Yes. Why do you say that? Because. First of all, if the cop wouldn't have been there, there's nobody else would have stopped the guy. He was walking into a dorm, and he was about to be switched period. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to UT, but when they switch period, there's like thousands of students just walking around. Like he would have gotten lost in there. And this was before classes were changing. Yeah. He, okay. Like he picked the exact time. Like they were. He was about to be switched period. Right getting, they were getting walking. ready to switch. Yes. Oh man, that'd have been terrible. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um. <clears throat> 
Now, I remember I, I, I was watching one of the videos because you actually have some video that hasn't been seen. Um, and I know there are two videos that you have. There's one where the police actually, you know, tell the guy to get down on the ground. And then there's um, there's one. There's another one. What is that other one? Um, there's two of them, right? Not three. I'm not talking about the third one. I'm talking about the, the two. Yeah, so there's there's two videos on YouTube right now. Okay. And, and there's the first one where he's kind of running up behind one of the cops because he went back to go lead the cops there because he kind of showed one, and he'll, I'm sure he'll tell a story. But after he showed the first cop where he was, he went to go get the officers back up. So when he came back, that's and, where the first— so you is. led the police to where this guy was. Right. All right. So getting back to the mic. Yeah. And so, all right, because when you saw this happening, kind of tell me what what did you do? When you, you saw him still stab the one guy, what did you do and what happened? What did you see? Okay. So as soon as I realized that, you know, he was in fact stabbing people for no reason, um, my first in- instinct was to call the cops. And when I tried to reach my phone, it was kind of far away. And there was like three co-workers in the way. So I told one of the girls that works with us to call the call 911. And I remember she grabbed her phone and she started like fumbling. She couldn't even unlock it. And somebody, I can remember who, somebody started asking if we had the front doors locked. We never had the front doors locked, especially at UT and it was hot, you know, the windows were open. So I ran to the front to close the doors, you know, to lock ourselves up. But then I saw, I saw this guy walking away, like, like nothing ever happened. Like he was a walk in the park towards some more people. And since he stabbed, the last person that he stabbed, he ran like diagonal to the, to the left side. So he ran at yeah. that point. Okay. And he, he's, he yelled a little bit. So everyone was like, all eyes were on him. Now, why do you think he ran that time? He, just like all of us, he was not expecting that. You know, he got stabbed. And but that was the last person that he stabbed. That's the last person that he stabbed. So why do you think he ran then? Because somebody had run him away? I'm being an instigator it, here. No, no. I mean, I saw, I saw him and he turned around. Like, it took him a minute to realize that he had gotten stabbed. And when, when that oh, happened. Oh, the guy that was stabbed. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yes. The, the suspect stabbed. never ran at all. Okay. He was okay. just walking. All right, so the suspect didn't run. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yes. So it took him a minute to realize what had happened, just like everybody else around him. Okay. And uh, when that happened, like I went like into an ovation. I just saw the suspect walking towards more people, and like, I saw people on the sides, like you know, running around, kind of like when you're focusing on the front side, like you can see stuff around you, but you're focusing the. You main get that thing. tunnel vision. That's that's it went in tunnel vision. Right. And when I ran to the front, um, I meant to close the doors and the windows, but I kept, you know, I was focused on that guy, and as I'm just walking towards more people, so I started screaming at people outside of my my window. I don't, I. All I remember is jumping out of the truck, but my coworker told me that I was like, first I was out of the window, like halfway in my body out, yelling at people to move out. And then as he started walking, you know, away from because us. Because people were just standing there. They didn't realize what was actually happening. They actually froze for a little bit. I, I still can't understand why. Like even the girl that was next to the guy that actually got stabbed the last time, she was just standing there and she looked at the guy, the suspect. She looked at the, the guy that got stabbed and like it took her like a good 40 seconds to like, you know, snap out to of it. To process it. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand why. Like. It took me, I felt like it took me a few seconds to realize that, you know, what was really going on. But before the last person, he had raised uh, four people and it was, everything happened within the same block. And, um, and, just, I, and I actually understand that because uh, we, we have some things that happen all the time, like in, inside the shop. I've had someone pass out right at the counter. I've had someone pass out in the classroom. I've had someone, <laughs> you know, we have all these weird things that happen sometimes. And, you know, people will freeze and they look and I'm just like, I'll turn around and say, hey, you, dial 911. Hey, you do this. 
hey, you know, do da 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 da, and start just giving orders and moving because yeah. people just freeze and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Right? All right, so we're talking about Antifa's. We just had the world calling. Uh, the world duck calling uh, champion from 2011 uh, on the phone there, Antonio, and he uh, it was a great interview. Also, we're now talking about the UT stabbing. It's time to ban knives. It's time for knife control. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cardell. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 137. It's the Michael Berry Show. On air, online, and on your smart device, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. I tell you, it's all about the mothers today. Happy Mother's Day. And also, two years ago today, we did lose B.B. Uh, King. So we definitely miss B.B. King. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. All right, so we're talking right now about the UT stabbing. Uh, we have Jacob Lava in the studio, and Jacob was the eyewitness. Jacob was the actual person that led the police to where this suspect was. And Jacob was telling us about, you know, how the students and staff and faculty and everyone was responding while this was actually happening. The fact that people were just standing and it took them a while to actually process what was happening, which is actually pretty normal. Uh, but Jacob, uh, what else did you see? Well, I mean, everyone froze, and they were they were all staring at the suspect. I mean, at the person that had just gotten stabbed, run away. So they weren't really paying attention uh, to the suspect that was walking towards them. That's when I started yelling at them. And as he walked away, I remember jumping out of the truck, and one of my coworkers was telling me not to. They're like, "Come back in. We all had to stay together." That didn't matter. I just kept running, you know, behind him and yelling at people to get out of the way. Now, see, that's the after dog game. You got to take, you got to do something. Something's got to be done. You got to stop. You see a threat, it needs to be stopped. You know, I, I like that. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really sat there and thought about it. It just happened. You know, everything happened too quick. I just started yelling at people, telling them to get out of the way. Within a minute or two, like the whole hallway was clear, except for one guy at the top of the stairs. And I remember I kept yelling at him to, like, move, move. And that's when we saw one of the cops. Like, he was just parked on um, on the street. So the way that we were parked, so there's, on, there's a street. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to UT campus. There's, like, metal things that come out of the ground. for You need to have a special permit to pass. So he was parked behind those. And, and so uh, he hadn't gotten a call yet. No, but, I mean, he was right there. Like, it was like he saw everything on, you know, full screen. Like, he was in front of everything that happened. So, I mean, unless he was looking down or eating or something, I don't see why he didn't act faster because he was, like, right there. And it took him, like, a good two minutes to, like, actually bring the things down and drive inside. When he finally drove inside, you know, I thought everything, everything was over. Because it probably took him a while to process it, yes. too. Yes, I'm guessing so. I hope so. And then as soon as he comes inside, he takes a right. Sorry, he takes a right at the stop sign instead of a left. So he went the opposite, right, the opposite way. 
I couldn't believe it. I turned around and started yelling at him. I was doing jumping jacks to like catch his attention. To see, maybe he will see him on his rearview mirror. Right. And then one of my coworkers actually like he was closer. He was behind me. I remember mm-hmm. he was yelling at people too behind me. And since he was like farther, so he's he, so the the officer actually was going the direction where people were running instead of going to the direction where people were coming from. Right. I mean, yeah, he was going the opposite way. He was going the opposite way. So I started running behind him, and right before I. I I got to his patrol car. One of my coworkers stopped him and told him. So he turns around and he starts driving. So I start running with him in the car, and we both got there at the same time. I don't know how because he was he was driving pretty fast, and because um, you just you had adrenaline going, you just like man, you had to stop this guy. I was running up and down. That's that Superman in you, inside you. Yeah, I, I ran. I definitely ran super hard, and uh, once once we got there, I I remember. Well, there was a guy at the top of the stairs, and I kept telling him to move, to move, that he was stabbing people, that he had a knife, and he was just looking at me, and he would look at the suspect, like, is he, is he serious? And um, the suspect finally, um, he steps next to him, they, like, make eye contact, and he pulls out his knife, and he, like, they make, like, a 30-second eye contact, and then he swung it at him. And that's when the guy moved, but he bur- he missed them by, by a little bit. Mm. I thought he was going to stab him in the face. I remember even... I I blinked on purpose because I didn't want to see. You didn't want to see it, but it happened too fast. Like I actually saw him like swinging and everything, and the guy barely missed him. He never turned around. He never saw anything. He kept walking, and the other guy was he was just standing there. Like what happened, you know? Um, once I looked back on the video, I could tell that he's a Hispanic uh, male. Maybe he was like a gender or something. Maybe that's why he. Is your videotaping the whole time? Once I got to the stairs, and I I thought he was gonna get shot. Yes, I did. I pulled out my phone. But that Why'd you happen. pull out your phone then? First of all, I was aware. You can tell the truth. No, no, I was aware that I, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't have enough. I don't have enough uh, space on my phone. Okay. So I had that in the back of my head, you know, like, like, yeah, I, I'm I, almost I out of memory. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was. But when I saw the guy that he was walking into the into the building, you know, with the knife, I knew he had the, the knife on his hand because I just saw him like almost stab this other guy, and I saw the cop running behind him. I. I was like 110% sure he was going to get shot. That's why I pulled out my phone. Right. That didn't happen. Because he, compl- he complied. The officer yes, said, yes. Get, stop, get down. And the guy stopped. He got down. He dropped the knife. And he complied. Yes, but it was weird because the guy was about to walk into the door when the cop was running up the stairs. And I, I saw him. I mean, he never pulled out his gun. He pulled out his taser. So right. I thought that was weird, first of all. And then when he got next so to him. So you watch way too much TV. Yeah, too many videos. <laughs> Wait, see, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of uh, personal defense videos right. and stuff. And uh, he got super close to him. Like, you know, he was in front of him pretty much. Right. Like, if the other guy wouldn't have complained, he could have stabbed him. Right. And uh, he first of all, he tells him to show his hands. So he shows one hand. And then he says, drop the knife. And he automatically he just opens his hand and he, the knife drops. Right. And um, when and he, that happened, cause since he was uh, holding the door open, uh-huh. the door closed on him. So the door, ha- the cop had to open the door. He walked inside, and as he was like, you know, on top of him, the door closed. Right. So that's when I stepped on the knife, and I was waiting for his backup to arrive because they were taking a while. Right. And then finally, I saw the second cruiser coming up, and he like passed. So his cruiser, the first uh, officer was there. His cruiser was right in front of the, right in front of the stairs. The second cruiser drove by, and he passed them for some reason. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, it's the same, you know. And then he puts it in reverse. He comes back. He gets out of his car and he runs. You know, he starts running towards us. So I told him, like, he's here. The knife is right here. And I was I was stepping on the knife. So when I saw him coming up, I moved away from the knife. Mm. And uh, you can see on the video, like, the other uh, officer steps on the knife and he pulls it towards him. They both only had to st- their tasers out. 
And uh, you know, you to, wish they they would have pulled the guns out instead of the taser. Yeah, instead I mean, of, for right. the for the magnitude of the situation, yes, at least. Right. Because uh, I even even in the videos, I was watching your video that you're recording. You actually said in a really soft voice, "You're like shoot him." I was outraged. Tase him. I was shoot outraged. Him. I was outraged. Why do you think you said that? And the guy was complying. Yes, because I, because of how everything happened, the way that he stabbed innocent people, he stabbed, he killed one, he stabbed for it, and he was just walking like about his business. I felt like he deserved some. And some what do you what do you what do you think the people, the public would have reviewed, would have looked at that, while the guy is complying? You know, you're videotaping, he's complying. He got down on the ground. He dropped a knife. Didn't have a knife in his hand. Got down on the ground. Did what the cop told him to do, and they would have shot him in the back. That would have been bad. Uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking aloud, you know, when that happened. Right. But um, I mean, that's how I felt at that's the moment. Just, that's just me messing with you right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. But that's that's honestly how I felt at the moment. Right. You know, I felt like they should have done more. Right. I got. I was mad the fact that they took forever to respond. The fact that he was going the wrong way. The fact that they. I mean, I've seen videos of officers shoot people for having their cell phone or their wallet on their hands. And this guy had just had four people, and they, they pretty yeah. much treated him with respect, which he didn't deserve, right. I felt like. I, I feel you. I, I totally feel yeah. I, I, I Actually, I agree with you. And then on, on the other side of that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at his parents giving an interview, and his parents gave the interview, and they're talking, and, and they're, they're saying words to the effect of, you know, we knew our son had some issues or something like that and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I translate that to mean that you knew your son was crazy. So he, they, they knew that something was wrong with him. And so th- this to me, this goes to parenting a little bit. You know something's going on with one of your family members. You know something is happening. Something's off with them. Uh, you need to get them some help or, or something or have them go to a hospital or, or something. Because from what I'm understanding, he doesn't even remember any of this stuff now. I mean, that's what he's saying, but... I was I was talking to one of my coworkers that was actually there. Right. And um he's he's saying everything that he needs to say in order for him to have a chance in court. You think so? I feel like because the fact that he had a towel, like a white towel in his left pocket, you know, cleaning the knife, that's that shows that he thought about it, you know? You don't just run around mm. school with the towel in your left pocket. So uh, you think that he's just pretending, he's playing yes. around. That's that's what I think. Just so he can get into a hospital or something like that because he he think it's premeditated. It was all premeditated, not something that just happened in the spur of the moment where he just all of a sudden snapped. I feel like. Hmm. That's a good point. Also, on his knife, you can see, I have some close-up uh, pictures of it, and you can see that on his knife he put rubber bands on it. So, I mean, that can be for a grip. I feel like. To make sure he gets a better grip. A better grip so it doesn't slide. I mean, in the fact that he has them there, he has two of them, different colors, one on the top and one at the end. Like, hmm. I mean, he, he, I feel like he thought about everything. And the fact that he was walking into a dorm where, you know, there's uh, they have the main restaurant there. I believe it's called Jester. Okay. Everything just, he doesn't seem like he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why next time you're going to get, you're going to go forward and get your license. You're gonna make sure you're carrying all the time, Definitely. right? Yes. And that that's what I'm getting to. This you yes. carry all the time. And then that yes. way, you know, you don't have to wait to see anything. Correct. You'll stop the threat. Yes. Hey Michael, so hypothetical situation. If he did have his CHL at this point, gun on him, he saw a guy getting stabbed, what would he be legally 
allowed to do. One, make sure you can identify the threat. Make sure you're not going to shoot any innocent people, and then you stop that threat. Once that threat has stopped, you holster that gun, start administering first aid to the other people that have been wounded. So he would have been legally within his rights to shoot that guy dead. Right in the face. Would I have to wait for him to turn around? No. Or for what? I have stuff that I see what he's walking Still a threat. Away. Okay. Still a threat. He's right. still he's going from person to person to person to person. And he was holding a knife. Absolutely. Still a threat. You stop okay. it. Okay. I see you in court. Well, make sure you got uh, Texas Law Shield. Did you get Texas Law I Shield do, when you were in class? <laughs> you, okay, good. I still have it. Good. Make yeah. sure you keep Texas Law Shield because you'll you'll need that. You know, because that because you need to make sure you remember you need to exercise your right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Correct. All right. And and next time, you know, definitely turn that camera off. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I'm gonna let you breathe there for a minute before I come back to you. So let me go to uh, John Griffin. John Griffin's the uh, the the editor for the Daily Caller. John. So what's going on with Antifa's? What's happening here? Well, Michael, thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, here's the thing: Antifa's or anti-fascists are a new breed of American protester, and they're violent. They're anarchist. And they're doing the very things that they accuse people on the right of doing, uh, namely the, the idea of brown shirts, the idea of silencing free speech. That's what these folks are doing, all while decrying Trump, all while protesting people on, on the political right. Uh, Senator Cornyn had to cancel his speech at Texas Southern University um, two days ago because of this kind of, of these kind of violent threats. There's some people in our country right now, Michael, who just can't handle free speech, and it's scary. So uh, Senator John Cornyn actually had to cancel the speech? Actually had to withdraw at a university commencement address, and two other Congress people were allowed to stay and give theirs because they were Democrats. So this is the see, kind of division in our country we've got right yeah, now. Yeah, see, that, that's something that, you know, I wouldn't stand for. Number one, you know, if, I'm well, going to speak. Well, safety, though. I mean, that was their primary concern. But then again, that's, that's I, I the danger. What, why are we at a place where people... Uh, like in Austin on May Day, uh, Antifa's, okay, brandishing guns in the public square. That's the other side of right to carry. And, is, I, and is in, in their defense, you know, it's it's totally legal for them to do that. Sure. But there are some things that they were doing that wasn't legal. They actually had some illegal knives. I saw some illegal knives while, while I was out there. Also, I saw clubs, you know, and unless you have a handgun license, you have a LTC and you have the gun on you, then you can't have that illegal knife or club. And so I, I do wish that the Austin Police Department would actually, you know, start prosecuting people for these things. Because, uh, you know, while they're doing this protest, yelling and screaming, all that stuff, they did have clubs in their hand. They also right. there were some uh, illegal knives out there well, over, where the length of the blade was over five and one half inches. That's we right. need to start holding people accountable. The double standard is real, Michael. You're correct. And uh, the Austin Police Department, God love them. When they're concerned about peaceful citizens like you uh, carrying lawfully on city property, but they're not concerned about people who are hiding their identities, hiding their face, uh, which, by the way, is always a precursor to a crime in most cases. Uh, that, that concerns me as a private citizen and as someone who loves Texas. Uh, we need to get that under control. Absolutely. All right, so we're talking with John Griffin. He's the editor for The Daily Caller. Also, we have Jacob Lava in the studio, and he's telling us about the UT stabbing. Uh, we're talking about Antifa's. We're talking about duck calling. We're talking about stabbing. We're talking about the Second Amendment. This is Michael Cargill. Happy Mother's Day, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'.
Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Common Talking. Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news, and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at Talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. On air, online, and on your smart device, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Oh, mama, like the road. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. It's all about the mothers this, today. Happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. Alright, we're talking with John Griffin. He's the editor for The Daily Caller. We're also talking to John Leva. Did I say that right that time? Jacob Leva. Jacob. Jacob, I said, is he now he's like, you didn't get my first name right. <laughs> you did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're talking with Jacob Leva. He's uh, the eyewitness at the UT campus of the UT stabbing. And we're breaking this down a little bit. And, but we finished off talking with, uh, with uh, John Griffin with the Daily Caller. John, so you were talking about Antifa's a little bit and, and, and just how this group is actually growing to be such a, like a, you know, like a hate group. Well, yes, Michael. And if you look at the Berkeley riots, if you look at Portland, where 25 Antifas were arrested for acts of violence against others, you're looking at a a different America than we once knew and could assume existed, where we could openly and freely have a conversation with one another and maybe disagree without killing one another. And these folks are more dangerous because they're uh, they're wielding firearms now, and they're doing it uh, they're doing it in a very brazen way. And Michael, that border borders on incitement, which is a form of protest and expression that we do not protect here in the states. We don't recognize someone's right to excite people to harm others. Okay, so uh, do they have the right to carry weapons? Yes. Is that is that carrying by these individuals a form of incitement? Let's let your listeners decide. Hmm. Okay. And now, now, uh, Jacob, let me ask you this. Um, with this guy uh, going from person to person and how people were, you know, still standing there and, and they weren't really moving, they were freezing. Um, do you think, um, do you think the atmosphere of, of campus carry is actually going to change because of this at all? I would hope so. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are actually going to think about it, you know. Now, I I do know what did happen is when that stabbing happened at UT, we had a knife bill that was before the Texas legislature that day. The House, as a matter of fact, and because of the UT stabbing, they had an amendment on the floor uh, to this bill that said that, hey, if you're 18 or under, because, you know, basically this was because of the UT stabbing and they didn't want to come off as being insensitive. They said if you're 18 and under, you cannot have an illegal knife. Okay. All right. And, and you know, because we already know, right, uh, John, you know, about Australia. Well, Australia, yes, they actually did that. As funny as it sounds to us here, they actually banned knives uh, because people were using knives instead of guns, which were prohibited to kill people. So, uh, you know, this is this goes back to what you talk about all the time, Michael, which is tools versus individuals. Individuals are the people that commit the crimes. Mm. These are just tools 
we've got to focus on the individual, right? Yeah, because I, I hate the fact that, you know, this happens at UT campus and then they come across that same day and say, hey, you know what? Well, we're going to make sure that 18 and under, you know, you can't have an illegal knife unless you're either at home or you're with a parent <laughs> or guardian. And I think that's ridiculous because this guy was over 18 years old. He was over 18. So what are you trying to fix? Let no good tragedy go to waste. No, absolutely right? not. Exactly. I mean, every time you, re you respond, you know, to feelings and stuff like that, you, you totally just totally screw the system up. It's just ridiculous. When you ban guns, only the criminals have guns. It's mm. the same with everything else. Yeah. So, uh, and so what's, I mean, what's your response to that, uh, Jacob? I feel like even if, if uh, he wasn't allowed to have a knife, he would still brought it in. Because like, it's it's illegal to kill someone. Exactly. <laughs> he's killed. He's killed. So that definitely didn't stop him. And uh, the fact that they're trying to make that that change now is definitely not gonna. It's not gonna change anything. You think this makes you more of a gun lover than you were before? Yes. Hmm. So no doubts whatsoever. As soon as this this September the first comes around, you're gonna put your application in and get your license. <laughs> definitely. Right, awesome. So I'll see it's range practicing and everything. What type what type of gun do you carry? I carry a Glock thirty. Nice. Okay. So you have to get something a little smaller, right? Yeah, that's gonna be that's man. You're a little short guy. You got a big gun there. What's going on here? I learned how to shoot with that one. That's why my one of my cousins had actually in Guatemala, and I, I learned how to shoot it real well. And the recoil I liked. Now that I try different guns, like the 19, I like it better. Like for my hand, it feels way better. The other one's like, it's too bulky, but that's what I have. It's either that or full size. So, all right. And then, um, hey John, so um, tell me about. A little bit more about, I know, Senator John Corning. I know he's getting tapped possibly to be our next um, FBI director. Certainly in the cards. Yeah, so hopefully that actually does happen. But I think the thing that's uh, that's probably against him in the wind is he doesn't have any, any law enforcement experience. Well, and that hasn't stopped a number of people from taking positions like that with our law enforcement agencies. So we'll see. All right. And then um, what about the brown shirts and the black shirts? What's all that about? <laughs> well, I mean, these are these are terms that were used to describe the Nazis and the Italian uh, fascist Mussolini's uh, black shirts in World War Two. And uh, when you look at uh, hoodies and, uh, you know, when you look at ski masks uh, and these these new uniforms of uh, of so of suppression, uh, you know, of people who are trying to squash free speech, that's basically the same thing. It's a uniform fist in the air. Uh, Groupthink, and uh, you know it's it's threatening people like our like our senator Senator Cornyn, who could not speak, could not go to give a commencement address at Texas Southern University because of these vi these threats of violence by these folks. So this ties into the UT thing. This ties into the stabbing. This mentality on campus. Where does it come from? Are professors part of the problem? Are people being educated differently now? Uh, what do you guys think? I don't know. What do you think? What was the question again? I mean, are people being educated differently on campus for, for folks like this to be a product of campuses, so many cases, so many places all over the U.S.? Like the, for this guy to just... Yeah, just to start spontaneously stabbing. start stabbing. And for these Antifas to just spontaneously start hurting people. Uh, is this a, a trend on campuses because of what's being taught or you, is it something else so do you think it's something that happened on campus or maybe something maybe some group that he's involved in or I mean, he's crazy his face expression seemed crazy he his eyes were just black like dark he didn't have like anything you know it was just like a blank stare but i i feel like that group is everywhere i don't think mm -hmm. it's just on the campus 
And as I was talking to people, like a lot of witnesses, they were they were showing me some pictures and videos that they were going around campus. A lot of people were tagging outside of frat houses, uh, saying that they were racist and they, they were rapists, rapists, and all of this stuff. So a lot of a lot of these kids were scared, thinking that they were being targeted. You know, if if you belong to a certain fraternity because of these groups that you know they're they're being active now. So this is a campus culture thing. Then that maybe we need to address. Michael, what do you think? That's a possibility. Um, you know, I, and I say I know I, what I what what I tell people to do is you know get those tools that you need to protect yourself, to protect your family. You know, whether carry some pepper spray, uh, maybe get yourself a stun gun. Definitely know what the university policy is because when that stabbing happened that night, I started getting emails from students that actually had taken my class in the past. And they wanted to know, you know, well, what should they do? You know, I said, well, you took the class, right? Yeah. Well, you have your license, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you have your handgun, right? Yes. Well, then why aren't you carrying it? Well, I only want to carry my handgun at night or those times when, you know, I think I need it. Well, you don't know when you're going to need it. But what time does stabbing happen? Like what? 10 o'clock in the morning? 11 <laughs> o'clock? One forty-seven. In the after- 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Okay. So you don't know. So that's why you should always carry. You should always carry. You know, because you never know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. You don't know when cray cray is going to come out. You know, so you know. that's why concealed carry works in states where they have it because people don't know who's armed and who's not. It makes criminals a little bit more apprehensive about committing a crime. Yeah, and then uh, what I'm reading is uh, this guy's. This guy was actually his parents actually recommended that he go to a neurologist uh, before the attack. You know, so that tells me you know that they they had to thought that maybe something was wrong with their son. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier where the parents kind of were like, we never saw this coming. And then like a few sentences <laughs> later, they're saying, but we were keeping tabs on him and we knew he was on these things he called happy pills. So, so if you keep tabs knew. on your son and you know he's taking happy pills, you know something's not right. You know something's up. Most likely. Reminds me of Columbine when the parents said we respected their privacy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So he was on pills. Happy pills. Something. Yeah, I don't think it was. He called them happy pills. And I, I did want to know. I mean, because you, you've seen the video on YouTube, and I think I paused, paused the screen and I did sent you guys, a picture. Did you, did you post the, the the links to the YouTube and the video in our video, our Facebook live? No, not there. No. Somebody go ahead and post those for um, me. But you can see on the dorms when he's entering the room, you know, because Jacob's kind of running, so the the camera's panning, and on one of the dorm windows, you see the you know gun free UT poster now there's those gun-free ut yeah. signs yeah the actual door that he went into said gun-free ut he thought well, it was a room there. above it yeah. the window, the above, window it. above it the window the above it so he felt he he felt he would be safe in that building because it was gun-free possibly <laughs> <laughs> right um okay i got you but yeah colleges and universities that and the whole environment is really changing and it's not for the better well they used to encourage thought they used to encourage discussion uh it's not it's not a threat to you or me michael if someone disagrees with us right 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 yeah. I, I i think in the college you know universe that discussion is still going on i mean there are teachers that say colleges aren't safe spaces they're places you go and you get questioned yes um and i i you know I didn't leave college. I, honestly, I I think long. it's the hatred of some of the college professors that are that generate this type yes. of activity and, and driving people to this. And they're creating fears that do not exist, and people are creating those fears in their heads, 
and they're acting on what they're hearing from these professors right. who are just, you know. Who are saying that in a theoretical fashion. To these professors, many of them never leave their classroom and do these things themselves. These are hypothetical now, these are theoretical ideas, and they forget that they're 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 professors, they're instructors, they're they're they're, they're the leaders, and these people are very impressionable. Yes. and you're giving them these bad ideas, and you're constantly saying this stuff over and over again. And some people are just not strong-minded; they're just they don't have that strong will. They'll listen to that and and run with it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. When you've got teachers failing kids uh, at college level too because of their perspectives. Uh, being right-leaning, that definitely signals that we're in a different environment where instead of questioning and learning from questioning, we're being questioned, like you said. Yeah. Now, there are definitely enablers that, you know, professors that get these students thinking this way or, you know, they introduce topics of white guilt, you know, and, and oppression, and they start getting these students angry and they go home, and I think that's where they pick up these, you know, more aggressive ideas online, you know, through all these super weird websites like Tumblr or whatever. Well, Michael, on that note, what do you think about this coming into the public square now with firearms involved in TIFAs in Austin? Uh, what do you think about where, – where's that line for your listeners between incitement and open carry and then uh, you know peaceful protest? And I, honestly, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem mm -hmm. with you following the law. The law says that you can openly carry a long gun. Uh, you can openly carry the handgun with a license, whatever. You know, I don't have a problem with the law. So right. if, if, as long as they're following the law, then it is what it is. You have a right to do that, whether you're protesting or doing whatever. Uh, but that second, that that moment that you break the law, you know, you hit someone, you do something, you you know, uh, breach the public peace, then that becomes a problem. Sure. So then, then it becomes a problem. But until then, you know, if you have a right to do it, then yes, you should be able to do it. Until you do something that's wrong. Um, then, you know, then the police need to do what they need to do. Right. Uh, so, Jacob, yes. do, you, do you have like, um, you feel that you would have done, you could have done something different on that day, possibly? I've thought about it a lot, actually, and I felt like I did everything that I could have done with what I had. And I think day. you did great, to be honest with you. I'm actually very proud of you. I think you did a wonderful job. Um, you, you didn't have anything, so... The only thing you could do was, you know, do exactly what you did, you know, yell at people ahead of this guy, say, hey, get out of the way. This guy's got a knife. You guys need to move. Get out of his way. Get away from him and then get someone to call 911. So you actually did the, the only thing that you could do. Um, and I know that, you know, if you were caring, you probably would have done something a little more than that. But I think you did exactly what you should have done. And you, there's no way in the world you should ever second guess yourself. Nice. Right, so yeah. definitely for sure. Um, now, what do you think about the media? What is the media missing about what happened that day? Um, I read a lot of different stories. You know, some people saying that there was a concealed carry license holder on campus, the one that stopped it. Um, I read another one saying that the police was, was there within seconds. So was there, was there a license to carry handgun holder there? No. Not you saw. No. Well, now you didn't come along until you saw the last person stabbed. So Correct. can you honestly say that there was no LTC holder there? I mean, if there was, I don't see why this guy just kept walking like, you know. Why he was he, just he kept, he kept going about his business. Like if somebody would have been behind him and stopped him, that, you know, the, the incident would have stopped right there. Instead of catching If someone him. would have told him to stop. Right. And he would have stopped. Correct. Because he complied. Exactly. He wanted to get caught. I'm guessing so. Hmm. All right. All right. So we're talking about the UT stabbing. We're talking with uh, John Griffin, the editor for The Daily Caller. We're ca talking about Antifa's. This is Michael Cargill and you.
are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Get the latest business news from CNBC. Weekday mornings at 6.30 and 8.30 and weekday afternoons at 12.30, 4.30 and 5.30. We make you smarter. Hopefully it'll also make you some money. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the The right choice. choice. Talk 1370 is everywhere with the new Talk app. Get it now at talk1370.com. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Oh, yeah. So we're going to end that with Tupac there. I guess some people will really appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about the UT stabbing. We're also uh, talking with John Griffin. He's the editor for The Daily Caller. And John, uh, because we only got a few minutes left here, um, you were talking to us about... Um, what were we talking during the break there? Because I, I totally slipped my mind. Uh, the city of Austin and its noncompliance with open carry laws in Texas. Yes. So that lawsuit is still going on. And I, honestly, I, what we're saying is I think that the state of Texas, the AG's office, I think they're just, you know, that fine is actually racking up every single day. Now, what the AG's office is doing, that fine is like 1000 to $1,500 per, uh, well, for the first day. And they don't allow licenses to carry, which is like in 2016. And then every second day or subsequent day after that, that fine goes up to $10,000, $10,500 per day. So, That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's actually a lot higher than what the media is actually reporting. So they're actually, they're with, within that, they're, they're in $3 million mark here. So the and, city and, of Austin owes the state of Texas $3 million for noncompliance on that. Right, because they're not complying. They're actually breaking the law when it comes to allowing licenses to carry. Uh, inside City Hall. So, you know, we'll see what happens and how long this is going to take. Well, bankrupting, bankrupting Austin, folks, I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, well, they, they definitely need to comply. Definitely. And, and even a city or a state agency, they need to follow the law. You know, that's you're right. not above the law. You know, and that's the only recourse we have is to this little tool here that says that we can file a complaint with the AG's office and the AG's office can file a lawsuit against that that entity. So that's the only tool that we have to get them to come online, and do what they, they need to do. And I feel that if we make an example of the city of Austin, I think every other state agency, every, every other city um, entity will come online and we won't have any problems at all. It'll be interesting to see, won't it? Yeah. So you definitely should make an example out of them. Right. And then um, you were asking about, what was it? God, before we went on a break, you were asking me about something I need to bring up and talk about. Oh, um, your understanding of the L- The LTC holder? Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, there was a, uh, I think it was Snapchat. I forget what it was. Maybe Instagram or Snapchat. There was a, a picture of someone doing a posting saying that they were an LTC holder. And the fact that they did have their gun, their handgun, on the campus that day, but he didn't have his handgun on him at the time. He had to go and get it. And so, you know, that is why I think this person is not coming forward if the story is true. You know, if it's true. And that's a big if. So because he didn't have it on him. And I think the 
the campus policy, I think that would cause us some problems if his gun was not on him. It was somewhere else, possibly, you know, in his car, not secured, maybe not even in his vehicle. Because there's no way in the world you're going to run from that scene and go all the way to your vehicle and be able to come back before law enforcement arrives. I mean, good. good where, where are you parking? You know, on that campus. So, yeah. So either he had it maybe in a locker or maybe it was somewhere else or something like that. It wasn't on him. And I think that's the problem. I think that's why that person, if it's true, is not coming out and saying, hey, I'm the person that was the LTC holder that said something to this guy and he walked away or whatever. I don't know. We may never know. No, we may not. May not. That's why you got to be prepared. At all times. And carry always. And shoot him in the face. All right. So, um, <laughs> Jacob, uh, any anything you think we're forgetting to talk about or mention at all? No, but I definitely feel like campus police should definitely have more more training because mm. I was I was uh, I saw this interview that they did on the the first cop that arrived, the the one that I actually pinpointed the suspect to, and they were saying that he used to be a DPMS officer, and this is DPS, like his, yeah, DPS officer, and this is like his um. What is it called? Like the last few years before mm-hmm. he goes in on retirement. Retirement, yes. So I mean, that when I when I heard that, I you know automatically thought, no wonder he you know his training is not all there. This is probably like the very first time that he has to encounter something like that. And based on the video and like what I saw, he didn't have very much training. Mm. Okay. All right. What do you, what do you think about that? I agree. I think on the news they they said that he said he had not experienced he, he had not experienced a, you know a need to use any force in a, in a few years. You know, he even mentioned that you know they they come the, so basically what you, what you're saying is you know these officers that are working for the UT Police Department come to this job as the you know end of their career possibly or this particular person possibly into this career. And when it comes to a situation like that, you don't think that he was you know, prepared enough to handle that situation. That's what I feel. And then when I saw his backup come in, they were both UT police officers before the the actual police officer showed up. The second one was like super out of shape. He couldn't even run up the stairs. I seriously felt like he was just going to start rolling forward. <laughs> you know, he was trying to run way too fast. Like his stomach was going right and then left. and. Yeah, and and the yeah, end, and the first the first officer, he he did not, you know, he did not keep his distance between him and the suspect. He was like pretty much in front of him. So if the suspect would not have com- complied, if the guy hadn't been complying, then this officer could have gotten hurt. Yes. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, thirty-two years ago, was a day that not many remember as a day of tragedy. It passed by without recognition and without remembrance it was the anniversary of the move the bombing in philadelphia the black liberation group called the move had it start from a man named vincent lepart who later changed his name to john africa the group rejected modern sentiments such as technology and materialism and they preach rights of the earth and animals that call that call it home and they had many confrontations with the authorities But then 1978, a deadly conflict arose from the tensions between the police and MOVE. When the cops were attempting to remove the organization from their communal home, gunfire broke out and resulted in the death of one police officer. Nine members of the group were sentenced to 100 years for their part in the incident. Now, after the group relocated to a new string of homes, they began to fortify and build up an armory. Now, this concerned the mayor and police 
who considered MOVE a domestic terrorist organization, and police again showed up on MOVE's front door, this time with warrants, ordering members to exit and surrender. Now, gunfire broke out, and thousands of rounds of ammo were shot out into the building in, in a period of less than two hours. Fire hoses, tear gases, and other tactics were used to attempt to destroy MOVE's will to fight, but they didn't break. Finally, the mayor and police commissioner gave an order to drop a bomb containing C4 in a dynamite substitute on the compound, killing 11, including five children, and setting fires that would expand and consume 61 of the surrounding houses. The only thing left were dozens of shared brick walls of homes still standing, smoke rising out of the rubble and hours after the blaze was smothered. We should reflect on the poor decisions of both sides of this incident and and definitely keep that story in your mind because that happened back in the 80s. A lot of time we forget about that. I want to wish everyone, um, especially our mothers, a happy Mother's Day. I want to thank John Griffin from The Daily Caller for coming onto the show. I want to thank Jacob Leva for coming into the show today and telling us his story about what happened at UT. And as always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Keep up with the latest breaking news in Austin and around the world. Take a moment to make sure you're following us on Twitter at Talk1370. Let the tweeting begin! Just one more way to stay connected with Talk1370. The right choice. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.